Amen. I forgot to send an email. I don't know if Matthew announced it's not left for a minute, but we have a really uh, special speaker coming in the second service. Did you announce that, Matthew? I, I was going to send an email. This guy is a uh, teacher of teachers. Literally, if there was anybody I, who I know who has like a, you know, the five-fold pa- apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, he is a teacher, a five-fold teacher. And he teaches from Revelation. So he's, and he travels all over the world. I've just known him forever and got reconnected with him uh, a few months ago, I ran into him, and I uh, was in this meeting, and actually ran into him in the bathroom. <laughs> we started talking, and, uh, you know, so he's going to be here in the second. So his name's Randall Worley. Uh, he's just an awesome guy. He's always a guy I've, I've admired ever since I've known him because he's, I've always felt like this guy's he's down the road, you know, from where I'm at. You know, when I met him, I thought, he's still down the road from where I am. I still haven't caught up with him, but... So I'm sorry I didn't send an email out on that and tell everybody. But if you'd like to stay for the second service and hear him, it would be very worth your time, I think, because he does impart when he teaches. You get an impartation, and he does have a lot of revelation. Woo! Anyways, praise the Lord. Is everybody good? That was great that people were praying for America, that like Matthew uh, pointed out, the governors instead of just Christians and uh, it'd just be great to get the rest of the country in on this. You know, uh, I mean, I think it's awesome when people gather, but it'd be great to get all the other people who are not gathering to get in on praying for the country and, uh, and saying we're giving our hearts back to you and giving this nation back to you. So, But I'm thankful for the ones who are. Amen? And that should be a sign for us. Okay, I'm going to do a message. i got 35 minutes, and I can do it easily. It's... Um, I want to talk to you. Uh, this, this may be the, what you call the stepping on your toes message. Have you ever had a stepping on your toes message? Uh, I'm not a stepping on your toes kind of guy, really. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've had people step on my toes, and I've told them they need to walk on their own feet, not mine. Amen. <laughs> but it may not step on your toes, but this, this, this is in Ephesians 4. This steps on my toes a lot. In fact, I want to say this to you. God has been stepping on my toes a lot recently. And He's been stepping on my toes about details of my life, little things in my life. Uh, and I tend to be a very big picture kind of person. I don't think about little things. In fact, I'll be honest with you, details drive me nuts. You know, they really do. And I love people who love details. That way I don't have to think about them. But I've found that God is in the details. Okay? And that's uh, really what... This is uh, it's in Ephesians 4. Uh, I'm going to read verse 17 and 18. Um, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk, everybody say walk, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Okay, a futile mind. Having their understanding darkened, that's part of your thinking, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, the blindness of their heart. So there's a lot of stuff in there. I don't really want to get into all that. I think I've actually did some teaching on this in the past. Uh, but, um, if you know, just kind of like, I keep saying this over and over, you know, Ephesians is the architectural plans, okay? If you wanted to know the plans of God for the church... Uh, for the body of Christ, for the devil, okay, and for us, it's right here in this book, uh, the book of Ephesians. It is God's plan. It's God's vision. It's God's dream. 
I think I've said this a few times, I'll say it again, is it's the only book that Paul wrote, the only letter that he wrote, where he was not addressing a problem. He was not talking about there's a problem, like with Galatians, illegalism, Corinthians, uh, you know, uh, spiritual immaturity and foolishness. Uh, he is talking about the dream of God. Okay, this is God's dream. This is God's dream for the church. This is God's dream for you. This is God's dream for the kingdom. And this is sort of the blueprints on how God does it. And the first three chapters are basically like the, the beautiful picture, the big picture, the part I love. And then in chapter 4, he starts shifting. And really in, in, in chapter 4, verse 7, he really shifts away from the big picture into little things and little details. And I, it's just amazing to me that God's dream and God's vision, is half of it is details. Have you ever, I don't know, has anybody ever had a, build a house? I remember I built, we built our house we live in, and, and I had some friends that were going to build their house, and they wanted to know, what would you do different now that you've built this house? Tell us some things that you would do different, because once you build a house, you find there's some things, there's some details in the house that you may have not recognized at the time. Like in our house, we, had a, we found this terrible flaw after we'd been living in a few years when our washer and dryer went bad, we found out the only way to get them out was to take the shelf down, it was a closet with folding doors, and pick the dryer all straight up and slide it up, move it over and walk it out because the doorway was not big enough to slide a washer and dryer in. Okay, that's a flaw because... Well, I don't know how we got it in there. That's the problem. I didn't put it in, and the people who put it in didn't. Re <laughs> so you know what I did? I'm not stupid. I know washer and dryers break, so I had somebody come out and cut and make that opening bigger and change the doors on it so I can get my washer and dryer out next time without killing myself, you know, and or getting some big, strong guys there. Uh, another thing we found, fortunately we found this uh, when, while we were building the house, was... Uh, for some reason, the plumber switched, you know, he, on the downstairs bathroom, you've got a commode and you've got a sink and you've got a doorway. Well, he decided he would put the commode where the, where the plants say put the sink. Unfortunately, when you open the door, it hit the commode. It slammed against it. You know? So you couldn't open the door all the way because the commode was in the way. We were able to fix that pretty easy because you can get a shorter, shorter commode. That was an easy fix. Well, here's the real, the worst problem. Okay, the worst problem we had. One day I was out with some friends. We were cooking out on our deck, and uh, it's like, man, it stinks out here. It smells like raw sewer. Okay, I thought, yeah, I wonder where that's coming from. And I uh, didn't pay any attention to it, you know, other than thought maybe there's some dead animal around or something, you know. Well, it was, the next day it was still there. So I got this bright idea. I got under, my house is on a crawl space. I went under there, and guess what was under the house? A pool of raw sewer. Okay, the the plumbing, the uh, the you know the thing that from the toilet all the way out to the septic tank, it was not installed correctly and it came loose, and we had been flushing our commode and filling our our you know crawl space with stuff that you don't want to even think about. So I had to go to the store and buy these chemical gloves, <laughs> and I got a bandana. I got the worst clothes and got this butt. I had to crawl under the bucket. And dip it out and haul it to the woods, you know, and that was not a good day. That was a terrible day, you know, it really was. I mean, I'm taking, I mean, literally, I'm taking, you know, I'm hauling this bucket of stuff with toilet paper and like, ah, oh, you know, 
And then once I got it all out, I had to clean it up and put lime down, you know, to take care of it. And so you see, if, if we don't get the details right in the natural, it can cause us some problems. And sometimes it can cause us serious, serious problems. There's a great show on the television, I'll just tell you this. Uh, if, if you hang around my house, there's only certain programs you can watch. Okay? And one of them is on this thing called Home. Homes on Homes. So out of Canada, it comes out of Canada. And it's a great show. It's, and it's all about things like that and houses that have issues where it was, it was not built correct or something was not installed. It's just crazy how they, people build stuff and don't do it right. I mean, some of the electrical problems you find in houses are like insane. Like, burn the house down, okay? Because they didn't install it right. And this guy goes in and fixes it. And, you know, he's a real clever, clever guy. Well, that's sort of the way our Christian life is. I'm telling you all that. Is that if we don't take care of the details of our life, I don't care how great a vision, how great a dream, how great a calling you have. If, if, if the details are wrong in your life, ultimately it's going to bite you. And it could hurt you really bad. I mean, if we'd have left that raw sore in our house for very long, it would have been terrible. And that's really one of the points when I wanted to say that, um, that was the great message, that right part, right? Right, that was the good part of it, okay? Let me get into stepping on your toes for it. Uh, that we should no longer walk. You know, no parent, every parent is concerned about their child walking, right? When they're going to learn how to walk. In fact, I just talked to a parent recently. They were very concerned about their child because their child was not walking yet, okay? It was, and the child should be walking by this time. Fortunately, I had the child checked by the doctor, and he said, the child's fine. It'll be walking soon. Well, I'll tell you one thing that parent wasn't concerned about is that child running. Have you ever, has any parent in this room ever thought, when is my child going to start running? When is my child going to start jumping? You see, walking is mundane. Walking is basic. Walking is every day. Nobody's worried about their kids learning how to jump. Right? In fact, you're like, don't jump. Stop that jumping because they love to jump. Once they start walking, they can run and jump. But you can't run and jump until you walk first. And that's why Paul brings up this walking thing over and over in this book. Because walking is mundane. Walking is everyday. Walking is a detail of your life. And if we can't walk, we can't do the rest of it or it's going to take us out. Okay? So I wanted to just... Let's, let's look at uh, Matthew 29. Let me read this to you. This will bless you. Matthew 10, 29. Woo, thank you, Lord. Y'all good? This is a great thing. This is what I want you to start practicing doing. You can, everybody in this room can practice this. This is really easy. Because this is how God is. God is very concerned about the details of your life. This, it says it right here, okay? It says, uh, Matthew 10, verse 29, Are not two, two sparrows sold for a copper coin? What's a copper coin? A penny, right? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value, value than many sparrows. So what, they were, what uh, Jesus was trying to tell people is, is God, God is very concerned about the little things. He's concerned about the number of hairs you have on your head. That's a detail. Nobody's concerned about how many hairs they have on their head unless you're going bald, right, Emerson? <laughs> then you're looking every day like, okay, I've lost a few more here, a few more. Actually, you, just, you give up at some point. You're just like, who cares? You know, you don't even think about it. Really, we are not concerned about the hairs on him. I think a woman would be if they started having hair loss, but they don't normally have that. We have hair loss. Men do. 
And so, but you see, God is concerned about that. He's concerned about that detail of life. So here's something I want you to know. Every, this is what we do. Every time I see a penny, I think about that. Every time I see a penny, a penny tells me God is concerned about you, Byron. God values your life. God loves you. And God cares about the details in your life. I used to see pennies and think, oh, God's trying to tell me to take care of my details. Well, that's true, but first I need to know that He is concerned about my details and that He loves me. You know, if you find a dime, wherever you find the dime, there's a promise right there that God's going to fulfill because dimes speak of double grace and fulfillment of promises. You know, so God is speaking all the time, and there's pennies everywhere. I mean, who throws pennies away? People throw pennies away. I know people who do. I throw them pennies away, like, oh, that's in the way, throw that out. You know, but we find little coins. So I want you to start practicing this. Everywhere you go, when you see a penny, I want you to remember these verses right here. God's concerned about me. God loves me. God's concerned about the details of my life. What are you talking to me today about my details, Lord? And so that's really one of the things that really one of the things that Paul really starts doing there in Ephesians four is Paul begins to release he talks about the big picture and then he wants to start talking about details in people's lives. Okay, he wants to start about the details in your life that's going to take you take you out or, or build you up. Let me read one more scripture. This is really good. Okay, it's Matthew fifteen, seventeen through twenty. Now I wanna you know, before we read that I wanna tell you a couple things about details in the Bible. And, and remember, I'm not a detailed guy, but this is it. Details in the Bible occupy more space. There's more written in the New Testament about details than they are the big picture. In fact, the New Testament is very full of details of our lives. And it's very full of how you walk out your Christian life, how you live out your Christian life, how you relate to people, it, how you spend your money, how you should be thinking... Okay, how you should, be, you should be on your job, how you should be in your marriage. It's full of that. It's more full of that than the dreams, the visions, the go out and conquer the world for Christ, the kingdom coming on earth. It's, it's, more, it's more full of those things. It really is. I mean, I hate to say it. So that's one thing we, all, we need to get in our hearts about details. The Bible's real, real full of details. Okay? And for years people were like, why don't you teach more on child rearing? And they're like, uh you really don't want to hear my teachings on child rearing. Okay? You really don't. Or marriage. We'll just talk to you about your marriage. Uh, another thing about uh, details, when you begin to look at details, details have a, have a way of humbling you. Okay? They really do. Because here's the, here's the truth about us. It's the truth about me. I love to think in terms of what God's doing in the earth. I love to think in terms of causes, of missions, Okay? That's how I like to think. And, and a lot of people are like that. A lot of people have these grand dreams of God using them, but they're jerks. They're acting like jerks at home. They treat their family bad. Yeah. They treat other people bad. They're not good employees. And so they want to go off into, you know, go and rescue people from sex trade, which was, is a great dream and a great vision. They don't even know how to treat their, their spouse right. And you see, there's something, there's a disconnect there with us. And so when we begin to, put, to think about the details of our life, we begin to realize it will bring, it'll bring reality, a reality check to you. Like who, are, you, know, who you really are in Christ. Really, what, what is really going on in my life, you know, in terms of, of, of important things 
and can't, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, one day God's going to really use me to preach the gospel to, to thousands and thousands of people in great stadiums, you know, when I'm just not even really nice to my wife. And God's saying, that's, you know, that's really not going to work for you because at some point that being, not being nice to your wife is going to take you out. It's going to ruin what I've, I've called you to do. Y'all feel like your toes are getting stepped on? I hope you do. I might feel too. You know, your eating habits, your sexuality, your employment, all those things God cares about. And all those things can really affect our lives. The way we treat other people, the the words that we speak and how we speak really can have a very adverse effect on your life. So that's why Paul begins to to, to talk about, you know, the details starting in Ephesians 4. But let me read this, uh, uh, Matthew 15, because this is really key for us to get this. Is everybody okay this morning? Good. Uh, It says, uh, this is Jesus talking about, you know, your heart. He said, Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Okay? And they defile a man. That's what defiles us. Okay? It's what comes out of our heart. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. To eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So, back into Ephesians 4, that's why I pointed out that Paul, before he began to really deal with people on some very critical issues, very critical details in their life, he really addresses the heart first. So, because out of the heart, that's where everything's coming. It's like we want to change people's behavior. We want to change how they talk. We want to change how they act. And, and that changes nothing if something is not changed in their heart. So I've just told you why I never teach on raising children. It's because I believe if you've got a person's heart, because the heart is the root of your life. The heart is the thing that causes all this out here to take place in your life. And that's in the heart is what defies that. So wouldn't it be great if, you know, instead of thinking... And that's really what we want. We want the heart of this nation to be changed, right? That's really what we're saying. We don't want, we don't want just the government to, to agree with our philosophy of the way the, the nation should be governed. We want, our, yeah, we, want our, we want the president to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, and do the things that God would have him to do. That would be our, our ultimate dream. And so we, but we're stuck trying to change things in our nation just through politics, and we can see how that doesn't change things. It really doesn't ultimately, because we've had some presidents in the past who didn't believe in abortion, so, but we still had abortion. And so God, you know, for Him to change a nation, He has got to change the heart of the people in the nation. And for, for God to change me and you, and for us to really be everything we've been called to do, he wants to change our hearts. And, and so that's really what I, what I believe we, the church really needs to focus on, the mind and the heart, because the mind and the heart are connected. 
Okay? The mind... Well, let me just read this scripture to you. Uh, I didn't, didn't put it up there, Pam. I'm sorry. It's Romans 1.21. But this is like a profound scripture for me. And I hope it is for you. I haven't preached on it in a while. But see, I love all this mind and heart stuff. Uh, this is what Paul was saying about... Um, well, I'll just read verse 20 and 21, okay? This is... It says, for since... This is Romans 1, 20 and 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. That's talking about God's attributes. Being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and God has said that they are without excuse. They being the, the people. Because... Now, listen to this. Because although they knew God... Now, I want you to get that. Although they knew God... He's talking about people... See, she's got her. She's sharp in it. Everybody give Pam a hand. <laughs> they knew God. We're not talking about people who didn't know God. We're not talking about people who had no knowledge of the Lord, had no relationship. Although they knew God, listen, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. Glorify there could also be honor. They didn't honor Him as God, nor were they thank- thankful. Okay? But they became futile in their thoughts, or futile in their minds. The way they thought, they, this futility came into their thoughts. So what happens to people is when we stop being thankful, and we stop honoring God right here, in this mind, in these thoughts, in this thing, something happens up here. Okay? Something bad happens. We become futile. We start thinking futile because God is no longer in the thought world. And your, your mind, okay, your mind really is the gateway to the heart. The mind is what determines what's going to happen with the heart. Okay? That's why Jesus said repent, which means change your mind for the kingdom of God. The mind is literally a door. And, and whatever the door, the door either is either, either open to God or closed to God. And that, deter- and, and that determines what's going to be in your heart. Do you all understand that? And that's why, you know, I believe we should really go after the people's minds. That's why I read those scriptures last week out of Corinthians about you speak, you understand, you think. You think, you understand, you speak. And what you speak is going to frame your world. Do you understand this? And so this is how we change our life. It's by the way we think. Because when we think, our understanding gets built around those thoughts and our understanding creates words. And when we speak those words, it changes our world. And, and so Paul was saying here, these people quit being... Th- these are the basic... They quit honoring God in their thought life. They quit being thankful to God about what God had done. And therefore, they became futile in their thinking. What does it say? 121. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Because once your mind... Now, y'all get this. Once your mind becomes futile, once God comes out of here, your heart gets dark. And then all your passions, all your desires, all that stuff that comes out of there is darkness. And so what we do, that's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is hand. He said, change your mind. Change your mind and you'll see the kingdom. Change your mind you can access my kingdom. Y'all following that? And so that's why, you know... Now, going over to, uh, um, back over to Ephesians 4, actually Paul's elaborating in Ephesians 4 here. I don't really have time to go and elaborate all on this this morning. I really don't want to this morning because um, 
it would take up too much time and then you'd be mad. Uh, but what he's, he's trying to say, he, he was saying in verse 18, well, verse 17 talks about the futility of their mind. Again, what he said in Romans 1, 21, and their understanding being darkened, uh, the blindness of their heart. Okay, so, and then he goes on in, in, in chapter 4 and 5, he addresses these five things. Let me tell you what they are. Emotions. That's uh, uh, Ephesians 4.26. In particular, the emotion of anger. The, the emotion of anger. That is a real issue. That is a real detail in every one of your lives. It's how you deal with it. Because God gave us the emotion of anger. The emotion of anger is not wrong. It's what you do with that emotion. That's why he talks about not sinning. But you see, Paul was saying, listen, I've got to help you with your heart. I've got to help you with your mind before I can actually help you with your anger problem. Because people who, I'm going to be honest with you, people who have anger problems and sin in their anger, they got something wrong with their heart. Somebody's toes are being stepped on. You know? And so Paul starts talking about the heart and the mind because he wants to fix he wants to fix this anger problem in you. And the way I'm going to fix your anger, I'm not going to do away with, with, with the emotion of anger, but I'm going to fix your heart. I'm going to get your heart transformed. I'm going to get your heart healed. I'm going to get your emotions healed where you don't have to lash out every time things don't go right in your life. You know, the Bible, you know what the Bible says about angry people? It says stay away from them. It says that in Proverbs. Stay away from an angry person. At least you learn his ways. In other words, emotions are contagious. Emotions are contagious. If you're around people who are angry and hard to get along with, guess how you're going to get? They've proven this in the work world. Scientists have proved this. They say emotions are just as contagious as a bad cold. That you, people can go to work. I think I've shared this before, but this is really important. People can go to work happy and loving their wife and come home just grouchy and mean because the people they've been around have been grouchy and mean all day. And that's a heart issue. Are y'all okay? All right, another thing he talks about in uh, Ephesians 4.28 is money. The Bible talks about money, about your money, and about how you get money and how what your heart attitude should be about money. And Paul again is saying, I want to fix your heart, I want to fix your mind so money will be, you'll, you'll handle your money right. Because money in itself, as you know, is not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. It's the greed that he's really going after when he talks about a person's heart. I'm going to fix your heart. I'm going to get that greed, your heart healed from greed so money won't be this issue. You won't have this hoarding mentality towards money. You know, because it got, cause he actually talks about people who steal, and people who steal are hoarders and because they're trying to prove that what they stole was theirs. They have a right to it, so they hang on to it. So, you know, like by osmosis, is theirs, and they earned it, and it's rightfully theirs. I, I don't really want to get all on that, but I've studied that some. Uh, and that's really what Paul was trying to address there. The next thing he's talking about in verse 29 of chapter 4 is communication. How we speak to each other. See, these are little details. Every day of our life we're talking to people. We're communicating something. And on those words, ride things. For instance, have you ever, have you ever been to church somewhere and somebody preached? And what they were saying was good, but there was something on those words you couldn't identify it? But you just like wanted to get up and run away. I mean, because on those words was was writing something that wasn't good. Like maybe they were talking grace, but really there was legalism on the words. 
you know, and there was something getting released onto the people who were hearing those words. We're, that's why he talks about our communication must be with grace. That what we speak needs to impart grace to people. You know, and so he's saying, and the only way we're going to ever be able to do that is we've got to get our hearts fixed. You know, because I can't make myself speak grace. But if my heart's full of grace, that's what's going to come out of my communication. And I'm going to tell you something. Your life, you, will, you will destroy your life through your communication. Eventually you will destroy it. If you don't speak right, you are going to destroy it. Nobody's going to want to be around you. People are going to start avoiding you. People are going to stop believing what you're saying if you're not really communicating grace to people. And that's, that's why that's a big deal. So there's emotions, there's money, there's communication. And then in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 3, there's the big S-E-X word. Okay? Sexuality. That's a step on people's toes, right? You know, that's an issue for every human being because God has made us sexual creatures, right? That's, that's how He created us. Sec, you know, being a sexual creature is not a wicked thing. It's not an evil thing. But it can certainly become that. And so Paul really is trying to address that with people, that, you know, there's a, there's a godly way towards sexuality. And that we have to walk in that. If we don't, it will take us down. It will destroy. That's what, how marriages are destroyed. It's through lust. Because people are lusting for something they don't have. And so they quit loving what they do have and lusting for something else, whether they ever leave their wife or become or husband or, and become um, you know, in, in unfaithful to them or not. They've got this lust for something else. And so Paul really is trying to say, there's, you know, this is an area of your life. This is a detail of your life that if it's not right, it's literally like that sewer that was under my house. And if that sewer had stayed under my house, it would have made us sick as dogs, you know, because it makes you sick. And so you can see why a lot of people are sick spiritually, okay, because they've got something, an issue with money, or they've got an issue with anger, they've got an issue with sex, they've got an issue with what they talk, and so they're sick spiritually. Y'all just looking at me like, just, I don't know if you're looking at me like you believe this, or like you're bored with this, or what, but I'm telling you, if you don't get your, you're going to be calling homes on homes, because <laughs> God is going to have to, God is, God is homes. You got some problems, pal. This leak that's been on your roof, it has rotted your ceiling out, and you're, you don't even have a roof that's going to work no more. And the other thing he talks about in Ephesians five sixteen is time, how we spend our time, how we use time. Are we redeeming the time? Are we handling our time properly? Because time really is a gift from God that He's given us, and it's a detail of life. See, everybody's got time. That's like, oh, you know. Right? These are details. Early I'm talking about just, just these are parts of your life. These are the walking out of your Christian life. And what he's trying to say is, listen, these things are going to affect your life. These things are going to affect your life for the good or the bad. And you need to make sure you get these details right. You begin to look at the details. So here's what's happening. What I want to say to you is really we really are in the, in the church, in the world, we have a season has come to an end. We are not in the same season we were yesterday, last month, six months ago. Somewhere in the last year, something has changed. And so what it is, we've moved from one spiritual time to another spiritual time. Okay? And we really are. I don't know if you understand that kind of stuff, but that's why the Bible talks about times and seasons. Just like in the natural, there's spring, there's fall, there's winter. And we move in those things. 
And what God is, do, is trying to do for people right now, I really believe this, He's asking people about the details. Okay, I think I shared this with you. When I was down in South America racing, one of the things the Lord said to me is, you need to take better care of your wife. That's a detail. I've been living with her 30-something years, Lord. Come on, I take good care of her. No, you need to go home and take better care of her. Okay? That's a detail. That's a relational detail. Amen. <laughs> well, I have been. I have to tell you. It got a little rough there. You know, we had a couple of arguments over it. But... Well, here's how it worked. Let me just tell you. I told her this. I said, i got to do this. The next thing I know, we're having this big fight about it. About what I'm not doing. <laughs> you ain't doing, you know, I bring it up that I want to do better. And she just starts telling me all I'm not doing. We had this big fight. You know how that works. It just works that way. But, you know, it's like God was saying, you know, you know, we need to take care of these details in your life. And he's been talking to me about my words for a long time. About what I'm saying. You know? And that's really what he's doing right now because he wants us to come in and, and come into something greater in this new time. And he doesn't want these little details of our life to take us out. He's concerned about your details. He really is. He's concerned about all these things. He's concerned about how you spend money and how you even think about money. He's concerned about what your mind is on, in terms of your sexuality stuff. He really is concerned about the thoughts that you have in there about that. And so Paul addresses the heart to say, let's get our hearts right. Let's let God do something with our hearts. Let's let God do something in our mind so these things can be fixed. I've... I'm going to end this. I've said this over, you know, a lot of the marriage counseling we do is not marriage counseling. Okay, this is what it is. Hey, I tell you what, wife, you go with Becky. Husband, you come with me. And we're going to work on you, husband, or you, wife, and help you fix these issues in here. And then y'all just get back together in your marriage, and guess what? The marriage magically gets better. Why does it magically? It magically gets better because the people, the, the two people, there, you know, the marriage is, 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 is what it is. I mean, it's, it's marriage. It's inert. It's, it means nothing but what we make it. And if we can get ourselves right, then we can have a great marriage. If both of them get themselves right, we can have a great marriage. And if you can find a couple who's having trouble and both of them saying, fix me, help me, I want to be right. And, and, you know, I don't want to just point at them. I want to get my issues right. Then you can, the marriage will fix itself, you know. And, and so it's a time to allow the Lord to fix us and to fix the details of our life. It's, it's that time right now because it could take you out in the next season or at least it could cause you some difficulties like some of my. You don't want to be under the house with a bucket dipping doo-doo and having to crawl. And I even hate getting under houses. I mean, I'm thinking, I've got to change the water filter. I'm going to delay it as long as I can, as long as I can, as long as I can because it's under the house and there's bugs and stuff under that. And you had to crawl on your knees and just, I hate that kind of stuff. You know? Can you imagine spending a whole day dipping doo-doo? <laughs> crawling out of the house and walking down the woods and pouring it out. Walking back under there <laughs> and trying to really find God in that moment. <laughs> I don't want to do that in my spiritual life. You know? I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that with me. And so God is saying, let's fix the house. Let's fix any issues you have in your house. Let's fix these little details now 
before they create a greater problem in your life. And that's what, you know, he did in Ephesians. I'm going to give you this grand vision. I'm going to show you all these things that God wants to do. I'm going to even give you prayers to help you come into it. But this is what I'm going to tell you. These are some areas you better pay attention to. You better pay attention to these areas because they'll take you out. Amen. Let's stand. Oh, Lord, thank you this morning. You, you are... We're more important than sparrows. And you said that not one of them dropped to the ground and died without you being aware of it. You're aware of, of birds that die. A little bird that just falls over dead, flying... You're paying attention to that, Lord. How much more are you paying attention to each one of us today? So I think that's one thing I want you to get, that God says to you today, I'm concerned about your life, you. Not just fixing you, but I really want you to know that I love you. And I love you so much that I know the number of hairs on your head. And I know every little thing about you. I know you're rising up. And I know you're setting down. I know the things that you love. I know the, I know the things that you wish for. I know the things that hurt you. And he's just saying, I want to help you, and I want to love you. So I'm saying to you, is when you see a penny, wherever you see it, think about that. Think about how much God cares about the details of your life. Okay? Lord, we just ask you right now, uh, we're asking you to reveal to us this morning. I believe you really are trying to reveal to us details, things that could really hurt us in our life. Things where we've maybe gotten a little sloppy or we've lost, lost momentum in certain areas of our life that you're saying we really need to look at that again. We just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, just convict us and reveal those things. Just take a moment and let Him speak to you about the details. Every little detail of your life counts to God. It counts for something. And I really want you know encourage you specifically about uh, your your about anger because it's addressed directly about money, about how you communicate, about your sexuality, and about your time. I want you to really think about those in your life. Those five things they're right there in Ephesians four and Ephesians five. Every one of them are addressed right there. God said so they're being addressed for a reason. Lord, just 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 take a moment. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Some of you have real callings on your life, and God really wants to use you. And that's why He's speaking to you about your details. Because He doesn't want those things to hinder you. Some of you have callings, but that is, that's really not the real issue for you. It's just that God loves you so much that He loves you and wants to speak to you about your details. He just It's His love and care for you that He's really wanting to reach into your life and help you with these details and help you fix these because they're going to hurt you. They're going to mess you up. They can really could actually even poison you. And God is really just trying to do that. He just really, We're all over the place. Everybody's at different places. And I believe there's people in this room right now that really are just coming into a... God wants to bring you into a place of showing you how great His love is for you. That He wants to reveal His love and show you how He really is. That He's not religious. He's not a hard taskmaster. He's, he's not trying to extract something from you. He wants to give you something. He wants to reveal Himself to you like you've never seen Him. 
And say, Lord, we just ask you for that this morning, that you would release for those who really don't know your love, don't really don't know how you really are, and really don't see you the way you really are. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just remove the veil that's on us, that's on our hearts, that's hindering us, Lord, from seeing you and seeing your glory and seeing what you're really like, Lord. And some, I've, you know, sometimes we judge people for what they're doing. They have so much passion. They've sold out their life. And we have this judgment against them. But the really, the, the truth is, is, is these people have seen the Father. They've seen this love. And it's totally, radically changed their life. And that's what's going to change our hearts. That's what's going to change us and transform us is being bathed and dipped in His love. That's going to cause our hearts to become soft and pliable in His hand. That's what's going to heal us. That's what's going to cause us to have restraint in areas where we need to have restraint. That's what's going to cause us to be liberal in areas where we need to be liberal. The Bible says faith works through love. In other words, faith doesn't really work if if love is not present. Lord, just really just ask you to release that love in this room deeper way in people's hearts and minds. And they would just know how much you love them. And I want to encourage you, don't focus on your love for God. Just don't do that. That's a bad focus. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not a terrible focus, but it's not the greatest focus. The greatest focus is focusing on God's love for you. Because that takes care of all other things. The greater includes the lesser. And that's the greater for sure. As we focus on how much God loves us, we're going to certainly love Him. And we're going to certainly love ourselves. We're going to certainly love each other. And these issues in our lives, these details in our lives will begin to get corrected by a loving Father who wants to help correct us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.